All right, here we go. The second episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe. Big up to everybody who played episode one, A New Dope, last week. And uh, if you haven't played it yet, it's still available. I am on Mixcloud and Soundcloud. So in case you can't remember, just think of cloud. You should be able to find it. It's free. And uh, right now, those are the two places you could find it. And I also put links for those on the Twitter and the Facebook pages at Infinite Banter. You can find me on that Facebook and also Twitter. Both are at Infinite Banter. And on Instagram and Twitter, if you want to reach me, DJ Soundwave75. And I'm pretty excited. We are just a few days away from the release of Captain Marvel this coming Friday, March 8th. And it's such a big deal because, well, for one, other than Wonder Woman, there has not been a feature film about a female superhero. But because of the tie-in to all the events of the last couple Marvel movies, specifically, as we all know, Infinity War last spring, after that came out, most of us noticed on the little pager that Nick Fury was holding as he was being dusted away that had the Captain Marvel emblem on there. And now we're going to find out what exactly has been going on with Captain Marvel all this time. The movie takes place in the 90s. I'm assuming it comes all the way up to present day where she gets the distress signal page. It's pretty funny that it's a <laughs> she's out in space, but the beeper still works. So that's pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if that's Skytel. For those of you who go back to pagers. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's pretty cool. I can't wait to see what happens, how they tie these movies into each other. And it's a big deal because there has not been, other than Wonder Woman, that's pretty recent. We're only talking a couple years ago, a female superhero feature film. And this is the first for Marvel. So this is a really big deal. I read the Miss Marvel books as a as a grown-up. I mean, now she's known as Captain Marvel, but she was Miss Marvel for a long time. And the art in it was phenomenal. And guys like Greg Horn were doing it. And uh, really uh, a fan of the of the artwork and the, and the comics. So I'm glad to see that she's going to get her due here. And obviously she's going to be a big link between what happens next in the Avengers movie. And of course she has her own film. And she'll probably have, I would imagine, another movie or two after this. So pretty hyped about that. And the Avengers movie comes out April 26th. So got a little bit of time to wait. But it's only like a little over a month. And I think what's going to happen with Captain Marvel, it's going to whet the appetite, get us excited. And now you can start thinking about all those theories that Thanos really punk us all by, not, did it all really happen? Did it not happen? We're going to find out who really died, quote-unquote, and who didn't. And uh, I think that a couple of them have to stay, quote-unquote, dead, just so that we didn't waste our time for a whole year mourning all these characters that died in the Avengers movie. We just want them to still survive, of course. We want a lot of them to come back. But I feel like it. we've invested so much into it that a couple of them do have to stay gone. So we'll see how that works out. I hope it's not just a dream thing where the whole Thanos snap didn't really happen. And for better part of a year, we've all been looking up theories and uh, trying to figure out what exactly happened. And it ends up being just a dream. And that's a trick that had been used in TV shows and movies before. I remember as a kid that show Dallas back in the 80s. The big uh, big deal was who shot Jr. and I could be wrong, but I thought I remember that it was a dream and the dude didn't really get shot. I don't, I'd have to look it up, but I thought that was how they got out of that one, and they didn't have to really stick to the whole storyline that they built up for so long and made us wait for. So hopefully that's not what's going on here. But yeah, big fan of uh, Captain Marvel and uh, excited about the movie. Samuel Jackson's in it. How could you go wrong when he's in it? And he's, he's playing the 90s version of himself, so I don't know if he's going to swear a little bit. I'm guessing not, but he swears all the time. I don't, it doesn't really matter what decade it is, but... When I think of 90s Samuel Jackson, I think of Pulp Fiction 
and movies like that. So we'll see how it goes. I can't wait to watch it. Should be pretty cool. The costume looks pretty good when she's got the blue and red on. And uh, really hyped to see how this connects to the next Avengers movie. And you know there's going to be like at least one or two post-credit scenes that we're going to have to pay attention to that are going to tie these movies together and then see how everything gets us built up. So we're ready for uh, April 26th when the next Avengers movie comes out, End Game. And make sure to come back here. Uh, I will definitely do a review on Captain Marvel. Probably be spoilers, so if you haven't gotten around to it yet, I'll I'll try and be nice next week. I know I had that rant last time about the spoilers and not really mentioning them, but this is a little different, I guess. I'll go ahead and say, hey, fast forward five, ten minutes. Don't listen to this unless you don't care about knowing things before you see the movie. So, all right, there we go. Captain Marvel, this Friday, check it out. I can't wait to go. We'll be talking about it next week. Let's get into some wrestling discussion. Raw and SmackDown had some really big moments. On Raw, Roman Reigns made his return. He was going to make a big announcement. It was it was definitely promoted, and a lot of us are wondering what he was going to say. For those who don't know, back in October, he had to relinquish the Universal Championship, which is the title on Raw, because his leukemia had returned. So he came out on Raw on Monday, and uh, really great news to hear that it's in remission, and it looks like he's back in action. Like, he will be active again on the roster and, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if I would say hate on him, but he did get a lot of boos. I mean, he was a guy who got booed a lot during his three or four years when he was title chasing and being the universal champion and the WWE heavyweight champion. But obviously, Monday, I don't think a single boo was let out. Everybody seems to be back on board with this guy. Over time, we'll see if those uh, haters, if you will, come back, start booing Roman Reigns again. But right now, not the time to be... Uh, showing any displeasure for him being one of the top guys in the company. But good to see he's back. Glad to see it's in remission. And I would imagine he's going to be at WrestleMania. He might even have a match at Fastlane. I wouldn't be shocked if him, Ambrose, and Rollins resurrect the Shield for like the 100th time. And maybe they throw in Braun Strowman in like an eight-man tag versus the Goon Squad. They don't even have a name yet. But Lashley, uh, McIntyre... Maybe Elias probably in there to make the fourth guy. And the third guy would be, uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, Baron Corbin. So I could see that happening at Fastlane. Maybe just to get us excited for WrestleMania and some kind of match involving those three or four guys versus each other at WrestleMania. We'll see how, how that goes. But Roman Reigns, I'm, I'm guessing they're not going to just throw him right into it. But they'll probably work him in here and there. Maybe just on the pay-per-view stuff for the first couple months until he's back to uh, full strength. So good to see he's back. Uh, really happy to see that, and uh, he's going to definitely make leukemia have an awareness that maybe it didn't have before. So that's a good thing that'll come out of it. I'm a fan of his, but I'm not like an over-the-top fan. I've always thought he was treated kind of poorly by the fans, and I didn't get why. I know why they didn't like him, but I didn't. I never understand the over-the-top booing. I've been to a couple of shows out here in the Chicago area where like it's just relentless. I remember some guy was standing in front of me the whole time. And it's like, dude, sit down. I get it. You don't like him. Sit down. I paid as much for this ticket as you did. I don't want to hear it. It's no different if you go to like a baseball game or a football game. Some people just have to let everybody know how much they don't like somebody and they've got to make a big show out of it. And I just don't get it. I, I there's, there's wrestlers I don't like. I don't think I would ever go out of my way to boom. I don't like Dolph Ziggler, but I, I just, I'm just quiet. I just don't care. But I'm not going to start yelling and screaming when the dude comes out there. It's just, I don't understand it. It's, it's very counterproductive to me, to each his own, I guess. But uh, yeah, I was I was really annoyed by this one dude because he just went out of his way to make all this. Like you could tell he like wrote a bunch of stuff to say and chant and scream and yell. 
when Roman was out there. And of course, I'm an AJ guy. He was wrestling AJ at the time. So I definitely had somebody I was rooting for. But at the same time, I'm not bashing the other dude just because everybody else around me seemed to be doing it. Big up Roman Reigns. Glad you're back. The big dog is back in the building. It's his yard once again. So let's see if uh, if he's it back into a full force because it looks like Seth Rollins and the Brock Lesnar thing is still going to be the match for WrestleMania. And I would expect that I'm hoping, I'm expecting, but I'm also hoping that Seth Rollins does beat Brock and Brock is gone, finally. And then we'll see how that works out with the Shield. Maybe they'll try to blow it up again, but then there's, you know, Ambrose supposedly is leaving after WrestleMania, so I'm not sure how this whole Shield angle is going to work and who's going to stick around and who isn't. But for now, everything looks kind of nice with all three of them kind of back in the fold, and we'll see how it goes when it goes into WrestleMania. Another return, there's actually three returns this week, uh, two of them were kind of unexpected. One was definitely out of nowhere, and I'll get to that in a second. And the one on SmackDown, a lot of us were wondering when this guy was going to come back, but not under these circumstances. But just to wrap up the Raw thing, Raw's an episode was okay. There was a lot of ups and downs with the show. But the end, when Ric Flair had his uh, 70th birthday celebration, Batista comes out, which is pretty cool. And they, they've kind of been hinting at him and Triple H going at it at WrestleMania, and it looks like that's pretty much going to happen now. No doubt about it. But he had, uh, as they're waiting for Ric Flair to come out to the ring, he's not showing up. Go backstage, you see the camera, and Batista's dragging Ric Flair on the ground out of his dressing room. So uh, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I was just talking about Marvel a few minutes ago. And as many of you already know, Batista played Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He was in the Avengers Infinity War. He is one of those that turned to dust. So he is uh, in limbo. We don't know if he's going to be in this next Avengers movie or not. But obviously he has a little bit of free time on his hands and he will be taking on Triple H at WrestleMania. It's not official, but pretty much a foregone conclusion. I don't know why else they'd be building it up right now. So it looks like uh, tomorrow on Raw and on SmackDown Tuesday, we might get some more Batista appearances and uh, him calling out Triple H and some buildup for WrestleMania, which is right around the corner and that'll be pretty cool to see that match. So there's there's uh, the Raw wrap-up, and a lot, lot happening. At the beginning, we got a return of Roman Reigns, and at the end, we got the return of Batista. A lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of weirdness in between, but it's good to see that both of those uh, guys are going to be part of the WrestleMania card, which is right around the corner. Cannot wait. Love this time of year. Spring is one of my favorite parts of the year. you got baseball returning, WrestleMania, Walking Dead wraps up. A lot of the conventions in town are, are starting to come around, so... Weather, of course, is nicer, so lots of things to get excited about for spring. Let's get to SmackDown. Another return, a lot of us have been wondering, when is Kevin Owens coming back? They've been promoting him. I think there was one where he's like at a bowling alley or something. I, I don't know. And he's like eating food. It looks like he was in better shape, although I don't know why you go to a bowling alley if you're in better shape. That seems kind of counterproductive, so all you do is sit around and drink beer and play bowling, but whatever. Kevin Owens showed up on Tuesday because Vince McMahon basically playing the bad guy once again, saying that Kofi Kingston is not a big enough star to face Daniel Bryan, the current SmackDown WWE heavyweight champion. So instead, he says, I've got someone better. Here he is. And then it's Kevin Owens, and it's cool to see him back, but not here, not taking Kofi's spot. But I hope that this is a story that's going to build towards Kofi getting a WrestleMania match and it'd probably be even better for him to win that title if that's what happens, which a lot of us are hoping now. Because they can't be blind. They see that the fans are really behind this whole Kofi thing. It's kind of ironic it's happening against Daniel Bryan because he had the same thing for him in his favor some years back. 
with the whole yes movement. So it's kind of like Kofi's getting that groundswell of support from the fans. And I think this is just, maybe they're just teasing us with, you know, a little bit and not giving it to us right away. Just letting it build. And if they're doing that, then I'm cool with it. If they really are kind of pushing Kofi aside, it's it's going to be a problem. But I can't believe that's what they're doing. I think this is a storyline that is going to anger us at first. And as it plays out, it built up some drama, built up the suspense for Kofi to finally get the win and become the champion at WrestleMania. Or not. Maybe this is all just a big F you to the fans and are not going to do that. But I have a feeling that Kevin Owens is going to have some sort of swerve here, or at least his storyline, him being inserted into this, will swerve us all, and Kofi still gets that chance. They're just going to do it on a grander stage. Because Fastlane, as we all know, it's kind of a throw... It's I shouldn't say throwaway. It's a pay-per-view that helps set up WrestleMania, but it's not one of the big ones. It's just kind of a precursor to the, the main one, which is on its way. So I'm guessing that there's going to be something that happens. Maybe Kevin Owens does not show well in this match or somehow turns on Vince or shows that he's a full face. And I don't know. I, I can't really picture how it works. I just have a feeling that somehow he's just not going to win this match and have the title. And then the Kofi Bryant thing just kind of fizzles away. That can't be what it's going to be. It's going to be a bigger thing. We just have to keep watching and see what happens. I guess I'm kind of, for the first time in a while, I don't really know what they're doing. Generally, it's paint by numbers, and you can kind of figure out what they're doing. Okay, this happens for this to happen. Like last year, it felt very obvious. Okay, Shinsuke versus AJ, that's coming. We can see that as early as Royal Rumble. It just seemed like it was an easy way to figure this out. But this one, I'm kind of, I'm not sure what they're doing. And speaking of AJ, it looks like him and Randy Orton, I guess, are going to have a match for WrestleMania. That's what it seems like they're building towards. Eh, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I mean, as a big AJ fan, I don't necessarily want him out of the title picture. I would like to see him against somebody. I said this last time versus like Ricochet, somebody like that, somebody with a lot of maneuverability and return of uh, acrobatic style that he doesn't really get to use against some of these other guys because they don't do that. So it'll be kind of cool to see him do something with someone else, but uh, looks like it's going to be versus Randy Orton. So there you go. They need Orton to do something. Oh, and I forgot. I, I mentioned returns. There's actually, how could I overlook this one? Matt Hardy came back. So there's been four big reappearances. So the Hardy Boys are back. Looks like deletion is still in effect. And uh, he looked good. He was slim. He was moving around pretty quick. He didn't look like his old kind of slow, out-of-shape self that he looked like last year. Looks like Matt Hardy is back, and it's good to see. And Kevin Owens also looked a little quicker, too. Still got that bowling ball belly, but had his new tattoos. You know, he looked good. He looked like he was ready to go. So good to see all these guys coming back. WrestleMania is just around the corner and uh, that's what I love about spring. You've got WrestleMania, baseball returns. You've also got good weather. That's a big thing, of course. Uh, the end of Walking Dead will be coming up soon, too. So a lot of things wrap up. You know, a lot of the TV shows, they finish up before the summer hits. Then you start to get all the good movies coming out, blockbusters and such. So, yeah, I'm really excited about spring. And in the Chicago area, we definitely need it. It's uh, been pretty cold this winter. We had a lot of snow and everything, so it'll be nice to get some 50 degrees? Like, I would be excited for 50 degrees right now. So, all right, WrestleMania. I can't wait to talk more about it as we get closer and closer to that day. And Fastlane is next Sunday. So, lots to talk about with wrestling. So much going on with it. And really looking forward to Monday and Tuesday to see what they do next. It was pretty sad to see uh, this past week that Nathaniel Taylor, who played Rollo on the Sanford and Son show, had passed away. He was 80 years old. And I'm a humongous Sanford and Son fan. 
grew up watching that and Honeymooners and a lot of the sitcoms. And I grew up in the 80s, so, you know, before internet and before cable and a lot of that, you had to watch what was on regular TV. UHF. Uh, so Sanford and Son, one of my favorite shows. I, I know all the episodes pretty pretty well and backwards and forwards. And Rollo was one of my favorite characters. One of my favorite lines he said on there once was, uh, there's this one episode where him and Lamont were trying to have a party and Rollo was bringing these two girls from Detroit over and uh, he wanted to use Lamont's house, which of course was with his dad, Fred, played by Red Fox. And uh, of course, Lamont's like, you can't do that. You know, Fred's going to be a problem. Pop's going to be a problem. You can't bring him here. So he was telling him like, we got to because these girls are two live wires and no insulation. I don't know why that makes me laugh every time I hear it, but it's one of my favorite lines and uh, Odabo Jack. So go ahead and go to YouTube. Just type in Odabo Jack or two live wires and no insulation if you want to get a Rollo fix. And also Mona from Who's the Boss. Some remember her from Soap. She had passed away as well. So doesn't usually happen in three. So that means like a third one. Unless I'm missing one that did pass away. And I don't, I'm not aware of it. Somebody checking on Betty White yet? Or did uh, uh, did Dudley from <laughs> Different Strokes, did he pass? We got to make sure that nobody else goes because uh, we're losing a couple of our sitcom uh, idols here. So rest in peace to uh, Rollo and Mona. And uh, yeah, Mona was like, I don't know how old old she was on the show. She had to be like in her 50s. But I it felt like she was older than that. She was like always the, she was going on the hot dates, you know, and she was like super old on that show. But a lot of those 80s shows, I was thinking about this before I came on here. Is it just me or all those shows about broken families and the family structure is not traditional? Like there's no mother and father and kids. Like, who's the boss? It was Tony and his, his daughter, Alyssa Milano. And then I don't know what the deal was with his wife. Like, where was she or whoever the mother was and the woman that she he was living with? He was the was the housekeeper. What was, what was his deal on that show? That show was so bizarre to me. Uh, that, that show had no mother and father unit, like traditional. Uh, different strokes, of course. Uh, give me a break. It was just the housekeeper with these kids. I don't even know what. I think there was a dad. The first couple seasons, he was like a cop or something, and then I guess he died, and the mom was never on the show. Every show from the 80s, I can sit here and name them all. Silver Spoons, shout out to Aaron Gray, by the way. Um, family Ties had a, had a regular family unit, so did the Cosby Show, but besides those two, Punky Brewster, Webster, these are like adopted kids. Um, I don't know if that's just like reflection on the society at the time, where like people were getting divorced, and you had all these like weird family units where you had like one parent there and not another or something of remarriage different strokes i <laughs> i'm sorry i hope dudley's still not in that bicycle shop it just just popped in my head that you know the special episode of different strokes those of you who don't know about it um you can look it up i don't know if i really want to bring it up on here go go check it out spoiler alert that's one you should watch on your own and then uh, never want to watch that show ever again because that show will definitely affect you maybe not now because it's already happened but as a kid watching it it was definitely you don't want to hang out with old white dudes who run bicycle shops let's just put it that way so hopefully Dudley made it out of there I don't remember if he ever did I know Arnold got out but I don't know if Dudley's still in there somebody go check on Dudley we don't need a three uh a third person to to be messed around with after we already lost Rollo and Mona so rest in peace to those two but yeah I, I thought it was funny that they, like, a lot of the 80s shows none of them had traditional family setups Elf was that I think Elf had like a mother and father, but unfortunately Elf was some this little dude, this alien guy eating cats. So I guess that was the one thing that was different about that show. 
Small Wonder, that was a creepy-ass show. I don't know what the dude was doing. Did he, did he not have a daughter? He needed one, so he made a robot of her. I never understood what that show was about. It was a little creepy that some guy was obsessed about having a little female robot in the house. I don't know what was going on there. Um, I'm trying to think what other shows are. Hogan's Family, right? Was that another one that had like a weird uh, breakup of a mother and father? One of them is probably dead or something. Like All these shows, if there's like a family show I'm missing that didn't have like a dead parent from the 80s, uh, let, hit me up, let me know, because I think all of them did. I don't think there's one single show from the 80s that didn't at least have a parent missing or both and they weren't adopted or had an alien run around their house eating cats or some robot sister. Just bizarre. I can't believe that's what I grew up on and I'm not messed up from watching those shows. And uh, then you had awful shows like Full House come around in the 90s that uh, took the whole family thing to another level. And that's, I'll be on record right here. If I had to make a list of the worst shows I've ever seen, that one's in the top three. Full House gets the big finger. I can't stand that damn show. Nathaniel Taylor, Rollo, uh, rest in peace, man. I think DeMond Wilson, who played Lamont, he might be the last survivor from that show. I'd have to look it up. There's Smitty and Hoppy, the two cops. I mean, Smitty, who was on 227, I think he passed on too. I don't know if there's too many people left from the Sanford and Son show. I'd have to look that up and see. But uh, DeMond Wilson still around i know that because he has a facebook page and uh got his book second banana some years back really good if you haven't checked it out definitely go check it out it talks about all the stories of sanford and son and vaccine stuff so uh yeah we're really sad to hear about that i always liked rollo and uh sanford and son's definitely one of my favorite shows of all time been playing in the car this weekend um they lost souls three feet high and rising this week was the 30 year anniversary of this album and Man, I gotta say, this album still holds up. I've been playing it. I played it a little bit before I even came on today, and such a revolutionary album for a lot of reasons. I can't front when it first came out. And this is 1989. I, you got to understand where the time of where hip hop was at that time. Everything was braggadocious, big beats, gold chains, Adidas, you know, Run DMC, LL Cool J, like Kangos, Gazelles, all that stuff. And then these dudes came along, and it, it took me a, a minute to really feel these guys. I mean, they came out with the, they didn't look cool, they didn't talk cool, even the sound was different. I mean, they're all about this whole Daisy Age, and the, the, the beats were different, a lot of samples that you would never expect. I mean, they're sampling like Hall & Oates and stuff. Yeah, De La Soul was definitely a hard sell in 1989, because nobody sounded like them. And a lot of people said, like, oh, they changed the game. But no, these dudes really did because not only did they change how it sounded, the format of hip-hop albums changed because on this album, there's like, you know, 10 skits on here. And skits are a big thing now. They're all over the place on every album you get. But back then, that was a new thing. And these dudes really put it out there. Prince Paul with the production. It's a really good album. And uh, it, it holds up still to this day. But I remember as a kid, I was just like, you know, watching the Me, Myself, and I video, and like, they're telling you to like, get rid of your Adidas, and you know, Kangles, and the whole B-Boy look was not cool, and I remember thinking like, dude, you're not cool, like, why would I listen to this stuff? This is not, this is not what I've been listening to for the last three or four years, this is something else, and I don't know if I like being told, they even have a song on here called Take It Off, where they're basically telling you take off your Adidas and your Gazelles and your Jordash jeans or whatever, <laughs> whatever you were wearing back then. They're essentially saying like that whole style, that whole look is 
is not happening with us. We are on another level. We're doing this thing now. I felt the same way when Tribe's first uh, video came out before I left my wallet in El Segundo. I was not, I was not feeling it. I'm like, what is this? Like these dudes look like dirty hippies. They're just like, I don't, they're not dressed cool. Their names didn't sound cool. I'm like, Q-Tip, like that's a name? Like that's this dude's name? Like his name should be like MC something and DJ something. Why, why do they, why do they Q-Tip and Fife? Like what is this? My wallet in El Segundo, like ah, they, they, they don't, they're not dressed cool. You know, they're not rhyming about anything that I care about. And then it didn't take long for me to figure out that, like, I needed to, like, open my mind more and not be stuck in my... And that's what a lot of us hip-hop fans do. We get stuck in our lane, get stuck in, like, oh, it's got to be boom-bap or it's got to be old-school. Uh, De La Soul definitely changed the game in a vast way. Nobody was doing what they were doing. Jungle Brothers, all the native tongues, Moni Love, Queen Latifah, like, Black Sheep. So many groups came out of that camp. And uh, big up to De La Soul. And there was some news that dropped this week, too, that DJ Premier, as well as Pete Rock, are both going to produce separate albums for De La Soul coming up. So two new albums. And they've got a lot of issues with Tommy Boy. I guess De La Soul wants to release all their music uh, for streaming. And Tommy Boy's giving them a hard time about it and the royalties and all that. So I, I hope they get through this and get past it. And hopefully Tommy Boy... Uh, figures out what they're doing is wrong and let let them let the artist have their music and uh put it out there for the fans i mean a lot of people don't buy cds and vinyl anymore unless you're a hipster you buy vinyl i buy vinyl but i buy it because i dj for you know for fun but and i'm a record collector but yeah a lot of people uh they, they stream their music so i hope tommy boy gets their stuff together and let's de la soul put this out there and let them get uh, get the rights for let them let them get their their shine here because this is their music, and it's thirty years of stuff here that we've all listened to. And Three Feet High and Rising still holds up. Uh, I really like it. And a little side note, um, it's really cool. Pete Rock is going to help produce one of their next albums. I'm still waiting for Pete Rock and Seal Smooth to put together that third album. They said a couple years ago they were working on something, and here we are to 2019, and I have yet to see a Pete Rock and CL Smooth album. So just putting it out there. Come on, guys, let's go. We're still waiting. That last album, the main ingredient was, what, 1994? So we're already talking 25 years, man. We're still waiting. They've done some stuff since then. It's not like they haven't worked together. They did a reunion tour a few years back. I saw them at the Shrine. Rest in peace, the Shrine. A lot of venues are gone here in Chicago, by the way. Venues, a lot of venues are gone, and Shrine is one of them. So some great shows there, but Pete Rock and CL came out, did a whole show about Mecca and the Soul Brother, the whole album. And uh, man, I was just really geeked for them to put out something again. And it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't look like anything's coming out. I, I'll have to keep looking up for it. And I'll, if anybody out there is interested, I'll try and update you. But at least we know Pete Rock is working with De La Soul as well as Premier, two of the best in the game. Uh, Pete Rock produced a song for them on their last album. And that that was a really good song with Estelle on the on the hook. Uh, yeah, that De La Soul album. You know that one. That that album's a little weird because there's a lot of songs in there that didn't catch me right away. Kind of like this first one, and I started to warm up to it. I started like, okay, I see what they're doing. They're just going on a different different path here. But it's still a De La Soul album, just a 2017 version of it. So definitely, this album holds up. And there's a lot of albums when I listen to it later. You you kind of get a different feel for it when you look at it from hindsight point of view. And like I said, a lot of people weren't feeling this when it first came out, but that didn't take long to come around to liking De La Soul. So big up, 30 years in the game. This album's one of the all-time classics. 
I remember when, because um, I'm a big LL Cool J fan, when his third album came out, Walking with the Panther, a lot of people weren't feeling that one. And I'm one of the ones that really did like it. It was one of the longest tapes I ever bought. There was like so many extra songs in there, like Jack the Ripper and Going Back to Cali. But a lot of people weren't feeling that record either. And I've always said, like, that's one that I think got slept on. And a lot of people with LL, it always seemed like he was like, one album was really good, and then the next one was kind of a dud and back and forth. He kind of had that. If any baseball fans out there know who Brett Saberhagen was, or even Steve Traxel, he's a pitch for the Cubs. Both of those guys are good pitchers, but they'd always have like one really good year and one kind of off year, and then come back with a good year, off year. It seemed like LL had that. You know, nobody can dispute radio and Bigger and Deffer, his first two albums, but Walking with the Panther, a lot of people weren't really feeling it. Came back hard with Mama Said Knock You Out. Then it kind of fell off a little bit when he did, um, what was the one after uh, Mama Said Knock You Out? Oh, 14 Shots at a Dome. A lot of people weren't really into that album. Then he came back with Mr. Smith. Completely fell back down again with Phenomenon, not really a good album at all. And then came back with The Goat, brought it back, and uh, he's been kind of off and on since. But um, yeah, I, I always defend Walking with a Panther. I think it's a really good record. Um, one of the one of the songs that I really like that a lot of people you know, probably don't remember was one called 1-900-LL Cool J. And I think he had, if I can remember correctly, when that album came out, he actually had a phone number you can call. If you wanted to like hear a recorded message, maybe some of you remember like back then calling a 1-800 number to hear a recorded message from one of your favorite artists was something that was pretty popular back then. I think it cost like a ton of money and uh, I'm sure like artists like Debbie Gibson or Tiffany or both or one of them probably had it too. And I, I never called that, but uh, the LL Cool J one, I remember I always wanted to call it, but that song on the album is nothing like, I'm sure there's no way because that song is is crazy there's no way like parents would be cool if their kids listening to uh what he says in that song if it was on the recorded message of it but i'm trying to remember with the the commercials i remember it was like clips from uh i'm that type of guy or something where he looks like he's like a cat burglar or something i think that they used that and it was like uh calling calling the lo cool j's number and i guess he would just tell you you know something about the album lick his lips or something who knows but uh, I remember as a kid, I always wanted to call that number. I did. There was one time I did get in trouble. I used to call those wrestling hotlines. And before you had the internet, the only way to find out what's going on in wrestling is through the magazines. But by the time they got in the magazines, it was already too late. So the the phone numbers, I turn, I don't remember what the number was called, but I would call it. I did it like around the same time in 89. And I remember I found out that Hacksaw Jim Duggan, spoiler, was going to become the king. King of the, uh, you know, he was going to win the crown from Haku, I want to say. And uh, I was so hyped to find out about it. And then I, when I watched Superstars or whatever Saturday wrestling it was, and then he ended up winning the king. But I remember my parents got that that bill in the mail, and I had to explain, yeah, I was calling. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much it costs. I don't remember, but it was not cheap. And I never did it again. But I really was getting hooked on, I think it called like three or four weeks in a row, because they would tell you everything that happened because a lot of those matches were recorded. So the, the results were already out there. So if you wanted to know what was going to happen, you call that number and somebody would come on and I don't remember who it was that was, it was the voice of it, but they would tell you. And the one thing I remember is finding out that Hacksaw Jim Duggan became king and I was super pumped about it. It's like, oh man, he's going to get it. How's he going to get it? I can't wait to watch. And uh, yeah, I think I probably put my parents, uh, at least for a phone bill or two, uh, back quite a bit and probably ruined uh some things so uh sorry sorry about that mom uh whatever what are you gonna do uh, 
If you still have the bill, let me know. Maybe we'll work something out with that. And last but not least, I'm going to bring it back to wrestling for a second. Um, I think I mentioned last week, but I'll be more specific about it this week. Uh, on Facebook, I'm part of a uh, wrestling group called Wrestling Period. And uh, it's definitely kept my interest in wrestling over the last few years. I think I've been part of the, the group there since 2015, maybe 2014. But uh, love those guys. Go back and forth to them all week. And a um, little bit of news here. Um, my girlfriend and I are having a baby, and it's going to be due in July. And, you know, obviously we've known since December. But I haven't put it on social media or anything until Friday I did and uh, posted it on Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, when you do that, it's one thing to tell close friends and family. But when you put it on social media, it's it's on a grander scale, of course. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is uh, the wrestling group, I, I got to give them a big shout here because they, they did something that's pretty cool. Um, I didn't see it right away because I was out for dinner on Friday night. But uh, Dan Valdez, who's one of the main dudes on there, he posted a video drinking a beer, you know, toasting the... Uh, the news that uh, I was having a kid. So that was pretty cool. And then it just blew up from there because he did it. I got I got to shout everybody who did one. Uh, Patrick did one. Uh, my guy, Tim did one. Uh, Austin James did one. He was drinking water in his, cause I guess he was sick, but he was drinking water in his video. Uh, Christopher did a big chug of orange juice. Uh, a guy, I know personally, Christian Friedland, a guy who I brought into the group, uh, he used to work as an intern at the radio station I used to work at, so big up to Christian. And last but definitely not least, my man Mario, who I've known a long time, over 10 years, uh, he did a video sipping on a Heineken. So big up to all of you guys. I really appreciate the love. And uh, I had to, myself, had to get down and do one as well. I've got, uh, courtesy of my man DJ Real One, a uh, some bottles of Duvel, that Belgium ale, that's how we get down. And uh, anybody who drinks that knows that you can usually go to a, uh, your local binnies and you could cop a glass that is designed specifically for that beer so i put out my video toasting the guys are toasting me and i just wanted to say thanks to them i really appreciate wrestling period and everybody you didn't have to make a video to you know for me to appreciate you guys but big up to everybody who did say something commented did a video toasted some back whether it was a oj water or an actual beer um yeah, I really appreciate it. I saw Tim was drinking what he called Thug Miser. So big up, man. Appreciate all you guys doing that. And uh, definitely, definitely was a, it was a cool moment. I wasn't expecting it. So I had to verbally tell you guys. Big up to you guys, man. I really appreciate it. Wrestling period, definitely in full effect. And uh, that does it for this podcast. I'll be back next week. I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel. We're going to build up towards Fastlane for wrestling and uh a lot of other things going on, but uh, Walking Dead's on tonight. Can't wait to check this episode out, see what happens with the uh, unmasked Darth Vader, a.k.a. Alpha, and her dirty, bald ass uh, slapping her kid around, you know, whatever whatever her deal is. So, uh, but yeah, like I you did this last week. I already kind of did it, but I'll just mention I want to talk about, you know, one album a week that I'm into, whether it's an old album or a new one. And uh, De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising, that's the album this week. Go check that out if you haven't heard it before. What are you sleeping on? It's been 30 years, but go listen to it. Uh, next week, I definitely want to preview the Clear Soul Forces album. That just came out. It's called Still. I copped it and uh, want to give it another listen before I talk about it on here. So uh, thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode. Mixcloud and Soundcloud, you can find Infinite Banter Podcast at Twitter and Facebook, at Infinite Banter. 
And on Instagram, you can hit me up at DJ Soundwave 75. On Twitter, my handle is also at DJ Soundwave 75. So big up to everybody. Thanks to Wrestling Period. Big up to my man DJ Real One for providing the beats on here that you hear at the beginning and the end. And my man Noel B for doing the, uh, the banner, the artwork for the Infinite Banter uh, drawing that you see when you see the little picture. That's him that did that. So big up to everybody for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.